What I say to you, I say to all. Stay awake. Mark chapter 13, verse 37. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Heavenly Father, please bless me. Bless my words as I preach your word. And may your truth be brought home to the hearts and minds of your faithful people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, I personally am someone who needs a lot of sleep. Um, on two different seasons in life, extraordinary seasons, I was unhindered in the morning and how far I could sleep in. And turns out I can sleep 13 hours a night every night. That's how much sleep I usually do. Now, since having children, I'm lucky if I get six and a half or seven. Um, and actually, in this age of the light bulb that allows for productivity um, as comparable to daytime far into the night, most of us, I imagine, don't get uh, quite the sleep that we need, uh, or at least not enough of it in general. The psalmist even warns us, in vain you stay up late toiling for food to eat. I wonder what he would say if he knew we stayed up late just to watch more TV. <laughs> Anyways, I say this because this charge, stay awake, in our sleep-deprived age, just sounds kind of painful. Like that, you know, when you're trying to like, not fall asleep at the wheel, and it's like, stay awake. Yeah, you know, I'm sure I have, all, I have all kinds of tricks for staying awake at the wheel. Um, it sounds quite painful. It is the case that sacrificing a little bit of sleep to spend time with the Lord is a part of traditional Christian devotion. But that's not the payday of what Jesus is getting at here. Jesus is referring to what, uh, a thing that was a ubiquitous reality in the first century, in fact, in every century, uh, apart from the modern era, um, which is the, uh, fami- the familiar experience of keeping the night watch. Because before there was a civil police force and property insurance companies, if you wanted to keep your stuff, you had to keep watch over it 24-7. And I was surprised to learn that this is true, of course, even, I don't know why I didn't think of this before, but in developing countries. Then I got to visit our Christian brothers and sisters in, in Sebei, Uganda, and the thing that was valuable, they hired like teenagers and 20-somethings to stay up through the night and just keep eyes on it as a security system. The night watchman, of course, can only guard the things being guarded if they stay awake. If you fall asleep, the whole purpose is undone. So this is the backdrop into which Jesus is speaking. Wakefulness as a means to an end. The end of not losing your goods, or in the case of the parable, not losing your master's goods. So adapting the exhortation, uh, stay awake, into our strange age, in light of the shifted cultural realities, I want to offer a different um, interpretation, a different gloss of the Greek in this context, which is instead to say, be aware, be aware. I think this alternate rendering of stay awake as be aware is justified, especially in light of the mini parable, when Jesus talks about this house being guarded, which by interpretation I think is the house of your life your soul, because we're, we're given a clearer sort of synthesized exhortation in Proverbs, above all else, guard your heart, right? Your inner person, above all else. That's a high location for this teaching, right? Guard your heart. 
We are to guard, to be aware of our inner person. By be aware, I mean be aware of what's going on inside you. So I think how we can bring this sort of a metaphorized exhortation, stay awake, to bring it home. Be aware of what's going on inside of you. What does that look like in application? I want to offer um, three suggestions for what it would look like. First, um, just to generally take an interest in what's transpiring inside of you. Feelings, fears, hunches, things just sort of um, attractions. I don't mean physical attractions. I just mean things that you're drawn to, like a, an author or a moment or something that you see in nature or something in your yard, something that happened in your family. To pay attention. One, a poet that I've um, enjoyed for many years in an interview said one time, and it just stuck with me forever, I don't understand why people aren't hungry for what's inside of them. I think even more than the poets, Christians should be hungry and interested for what's inside of us because this body is well, it's being made eternal in the resurrection, but God's given us an immortal soul. Our inner person is of infinite value. So a general interest it would be a first application. Some of you might have this already by temperament. Some might need to cultivate it. The second application would be um, to pay attention to temptations, and especially in the life of the mind. A saint I love with a very weird name, uh, Saint Romuald, <laughs> he said, watch your thoughts as a good fisher watches the fish. And I love that picture because it's not stressed out, right? It's, it's ready, but it's watching. Remembering that God sees our thoughts, and only God, just to be clear, angels, demons, they can't read your mind, only God sees our thoughts. And that all of the thoughts that we voluntarily assent to, it's an important clarification, all the thoughts we voluntarily assent to will be held to account for on Judgment Day. Every thought will be brought into light. If we do not repent of them. But in order to be able to repent, we have to first be aware. You have to be watching your thoughts a little bit to kind of catch what your mind is going, the, the lines your mind is going down, and recognize, oh Lord, this... This was the indulgement of a, of a sinful passion, a lust, an anger, a revenge. Ah, oh, Lord, I repent. I'm sorry for the, entertaining that thought to catch the fish with God's help. A general interest of what's going on inside us, an attentiveness to the temptations that cross our mind and what degree our thoughts follow or don't follow them. And the third place that it could, could, could apply is the spiritual advents of Jesus. Advent, of course, is, just means coming. What we remember in the season of Advent, the second coming of Christ, as we prepare for the remembrance of his first coming at Christmas, his, the coming of Christ. To be aware when Jesus draws near to the soul. That language is um, a little bit imprecise because, in a, of course, by proximity, we are always with Jesus. Behold, I am with you always. A more precise way of saying it, although that is kind of the traditional way, is him coming near, would be um, when he makes his presence known. When he himself pulls back the veil a little bit and we encounter him in our inner person, in our spirit. We encounter him who is spirit and truth. But this requires as a precondition just some awareness of what's going on in your heart, some attentiveness 
to what's inside of you, being aware. I think the goal, and when we read the lives of the saints, like St. Paul in Acts, they're able to kind of listen and attend to the Lord's dealings and doings in real time. It's like, oh, I was in prison, but the Lord stood with me. You know, I I was going to go here, but the Lord said, don't go to that city, go to Macedonia. They're able to kind of catch his drawing near in real time. That is an acquired spiritual skill. And we acquire the knowledge of the nearness of Christ and his promptings in real time. I think one, I want to offer a tool that I've found very helpful for kind of cultivating this frame of mind. And it's a tool that goes by the name of examine, which is a spiritual practice that some of you may already do in some form or another. Um, I actually printed out um, a form of a, a simple form of an examine on the inside of your leaflets um, that can be done at the end of the day. Um, it's really useful because of just the tiredness of the brain at the end of the day to use, I to use a pen and paper. I use a little kind of journal. I write fast. In fact, I write in kind of a rough enough handwriting that no one else could read it um, because you want to be as honest as you can be before the Lord. But to catch, first beginning by asking God, help me to remember this day. Guide me into the inner part of this day, not just what happened outwardly. And then to think, Lord, what gifts did you give me that maybe I noticed or maybe I didn't, but I could notice now? Here at the end of the day. When did you draw near? When did you speak? And perhaps you ask yourself the question and nothing comes to mind. No problem. But to cultivate this practice of awareness, to be paying more attention. And then, as well as thanksgiving, to then inquire into what difficulties did you experience inwardly? Were some of them the result of sin to repent of? I love this idea of keeping short accounts with the Lord. We don't save up all of our sins to confess them once a year. Every night we can say, Lord, I'm really sorry for entertaining those thoughts. Even if it was for five seconds. Lord, I'm sorry about that. That's not who I want to be as your child. I want to glorify you more with my mind. And you can ask these questions. Sometimes when I'm really sleepy, I don't go through all the questions. I just write a category, thanks be to God and Lord have mercy. And I just think like, what am I thankful for? What do I need his mercy for? And then lastly, look ahead to the next day. And when you think about what you're thankful for or where you're in need of mercy, just sort of just look, well, Lord, how can I kind of present that to you more earnestly in the day ahead? Just a single idea, a single reason of your world, work, the drive, whatever. Anyways, and to pray for the Holy Spirit transformation. So this is a tool. It's not a mandate. It's not a must. It's just a tool. That in this Advent season, as we hear the words, the Lord's words in our ears, stay awake understand that that means partly be aware of what's going on inside you. Don't just live in the exterior visible world that is passing away. Heaven and earth will pass away. His word will not pass away. Um, but I offer you this as a tool. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I offer it as a tool. And the purpose, again, these are means to an end. And the end Jesus describes for us, that when he comes back again, when he cracks the sky open and in some sort of cross-dimensional way presents himself visibly again at his second coming, that we would have our hearts in possession of ourselves to give to him. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above, we sometimes sing. But that we'd be ready, be like, oh yeah, Lord, I've been watching for you. I've been staying awake. Not with just some painful, keeping my eyes open, at the, you know, but by being aware of who you are now, before we see you visibly, by being aware how you're communicating to my soul. And as a last thing, I want to offer the word of um, to be patient with yourself. 
in my experience, small, small degrees of growth in this inner awareness take years because we have so many bad habits of mind, of distraction. And so if you can grow just a tiny bit in awareness this Advent, glory to God. And then month after month, Advent after Advent, by the time um, um, that we become old men and old women, we might have more of that readiness of mind, that continual inner awareness, or in the Lord's words, awakeness, to who Jesus is and what he is doing as we wait for his coming again. Amen.